Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we speak with inspiring founders and experts to get a scoop on how they made their business a success. And today with me is Jana Shalon, who is a co-founder of Beams. And Beams' uh, core product is a Mac menu bar app, which sits very conveniently on top of my screen too. So proud owner, uh, but it's also a meta layer of SaaS products, and that's a big vision for it. And we're here today to talk about it and the way Jana and her co-founder are planning to grow the product. Welcome, Jana. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Anna. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Like I said, um, I'm a proud owner or user, customer, I don't know how to call myself, uh, of Beams. So thank you for doing that. It's a great um, little thing that really, really helps me to navigate through my working day. So, uh, and your background, let's uh, touch upon that first. Your background is in product management, right? That's correct. Yeah. Thanks for the feedback. First of all, like positive user feedback is uh, the most important thing for us, which makes us most happy. So I'm really happy to hear that. Um, and that's correct. So my background is product management. I've worked for the past six years before I started Beams um, in different product management roles, mainly in early stage tech startups, um, which I think was actually a really good preparation to become an entrepreneur now or build my own company. All right. So how did this idea come to you? I know that uh, one of your previous projects was in uh, with Volkswagen, right? It was a website for used cars. Right. That's correct. So, yeah, that's true. Going. That's one of the <laughs> startups I was working at, uh, used right. car platform. So going from <laughs> that to future of work, how, how did you do that? Yeah, maybe I can uh, give one sentence also about uh, my co-founder. Her name is Mihri sure. and uh, she's a software developer. Um, so we are a tech and product co-founding team. And um, yeah, why are we working on what we're working on? First of all, you know, before we started Beams, we were actually really enjoying our jobs, you know, as a developer and, and a PM. Uh, we liked what we were working on. And that's why for me, it was always so interesting to hear so many people around me that were frustrated with their jobs, stressed out. Um, and something I observed on myself and many other people is that, you know, we're using more and more tools at work and being distracted and switching from one thing to the other so many times during the day is something that, um, yeah, that annoyed me, that frustrated me. And I felt like nearly everyone I talked to about this problem agreed with me and said, I need a solution for this as well. So really this, um, yeah, the fact that we really believe also that, or we believe in the good of software and that we um, can use software really to, to help us have better work days um, is one of these big drivers or inner motivations for us building good software that helps us work better or healthier. Okay. So you, you knew each other before you, you knew how, uh, how you both work and if it's going to be comfortable to become co-founders. We knew each other before. Actually, we were introduced by um, a common friend. He's a, also a developer. He was a former colleague of mine. Uh, my technical counterpart at uh, a role I was working in, and he's a really good friend of Mihri. And uh, yeah, he introduced us. He said, you're both 
very entrepreneurial, always talking about your side projects. Maybe you want to do something together. Uh, that's how we met and we stayed in touch. Um, and, but we've never worked together before. So in the beginning, when we both said, hey, now it's a good time in both of our lives to quit our jobs and try it out, we really took some time to to validate that we want to and can actually work together, that we find a topic we want to work on together. Um, and that was actually a good good way of handling it. Okay, that, that's pretty cool. But you started very recently, I mean, in business terms, right? Uh, 2021 is mm -hmm. uh, the year when you launched. So what did you launch with? Was it an MVP? Was it kind of a working prototype? Was it just an idea? Hmm. Yeah, maybe the question is uh, back to you what launch actually means, right? I think the different people understand different things, uh, yeah. what, a, what a launch actually means. Um, we believe that we are launching and have been launching all the time, right? The first, very first version of a first prototype we launched after working it for a week or two um, to okay. the first, uh, you know, uh, five or ten alpha users that we were regularly speaking with. And from there, we iterated it continuously. We are in a closed beta. So for some people, we might not have launched publicly yet. Though in December of last year, there was a product hunt launch. So again, another type of launch where we also opened the waitlist um, for a couple of days. Um, um, so we right now have around 700 users who provide us with regular feedback and we're using that feedback to develop the product further. We knew Product Hunt since many years, and we also knew that we are going to launch there at some point uh, because our target group, you know, it's actually product team members, tech team members, and product enthusiasts. They are Product Hunt users, so we always knew that we would uh, launch there. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of new users discovered us from there. Um, but there was no particular person who reached out to us and said, you should launch it. We knew that from the beginning. Oh, right. So what was the initial idea uh, between, uh, sorry, behind Beams, right? So you call it a meta layer of sales products, right? So what does it mean? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the initial idea, we actually really started with the problem definition, right? Or the problem space where we wanted to find a solution for. And um, I'm saying that because, you know, this problem is something that's clear to everyone. The solution to it is not so clear, though. And uh, the product you can use now and also this, um, how we phrase it as the SaaS meta layer is something that evolved over time. Um, but the idea behind that is um, maybe I can say one more sentence about this problem again and how, what we learned about this problem is that there are so many different factors that play into it. You know, it starts with that an average company nowadays uses over 110 different SaaS tools, um, which I think is a crazy number. And we also probably all know that from our typical work days, how many tools we use and how much we switch in between them. In fact, there's a stat recent study, Harvard Business Review, that said that we switch between apps and Windows 1,200 times a day, which is twice every minute, actually, or every working minute. Um, and it's not a big surprise because most of these tools we are using are also designed in a way to grab our attention, right? designed in a way to distract, um, which makes us 
jumping back and forth, but there are also company cultures that expect us to be always available and immediately responsive. We also identified though that, that there are a lot of personality traits um, that make some people you know, be easier distracted than others. There are some people that plan their days more ahead or more in advance, whereas others are a bit more reactive. Then again, there are people that feel this FOMO a bit stronger than others, you know, this FOMO when the, some messages are piling up. Um, so all of these factors play into this problem. And that's also why we believe the solution to it needs to be highly personalized. There is no one size fits all solution to this, to this um, problem. And therefore, our hypothesis for the solution is what we call now a software as a service meta layer. And it means that we integrate the different work tools a user is already using, and we put ourselves on top as a software layer on top of those tools. So we integrate tools, we don't replace any of those. And we started with a calendar integration simply because it's a tool everyone is using, um, everyone is using throughout the day. And the second integration uh, we implemented is a Slack integration because our target group told us it's the most distracting tool of all. Um, and that's what we started with. And then going forward, there can be further integrations of communication and collaboration tools. That's where this name of uh, meta layer is coming from. That's pretty cool. No, uh, I love that. Uh, first of all, I think uh, the more integrations, the better. And uh, it's, it's a great trend. No one, no one, like you said, wants to jump from one thing to another. We want to see everything in one place and uh, for it to be mindful and not totally destructing our working day. So that's amazing. And uh, I have to give you one other comment about design. Mm -hmm. Love the design. And uh, the first time I got Beams, uh, everyone uh, was asking, like, what's that on top of your screen? Like, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hooked a couple of uh, more people on, on Beams now. But uh, yeah, where did the design come from? Like, how did you navigate this? Uh, you're from product management and then your co-founder is uh, tech. Do you have somebody doing the design or is it just you two? Um, yes, we have someone doing the design. It's an amazing designer, um, a friend and former colleague of Mihri, and uh, we're super glad to be working with her. She's based in Istanbul, actually, so um, it's, we're working with her remotely. She's a freelancer, and it's really great that she's um, helping us out there. Mm, and though, to, or let's say together with her, we have defined what we, what our design principles are, or also how we want to design the product. And I'm really glad that you're mentioning it because it's really core to, to our product um, and to how we differentiate um, it also from other tools in this space. Um, so when I talk about the differentiation, right, on the one hand, there's this um, personalization approach that I mentioned that through these different integration uh, integrations as this meta layer, we can learn holistically about a user's work context and therefore be very personalized. And the other aspect, which really sets us apart from most of, of the other, let's call them productivity tools that you see in the market, um, is how we understand what productivity actually means. We want to promote a more progressive or modern understanding 
of productivity for us. It doesn't mean working even faster and more and hustling more. For us, it's about working more, let's call it mindfully or with more intention, one thing after the other. And this mindful aspect, we also want to underline in the way how we design the product. And um, you already mentioned that our first product is a Mac menu bar app that sits on top of the screen. And that's actually a really nice um, representation of what we mean with mindful design. Our users tell us, given that it's sitting up there, it always shows me you know, the one thing to focus on. It shows me when my next meeting is starting, how many minutes more until it starts, or when I'm in one for how much longer it's going. It's a small detail, but it already um, gives them a bit of a feeling of control. So they tell us, I only need to glance to the top of the screen and know exactly where I am in my day and what's going on. And that already yeah, gives me some grounding. And that's exactly the feeling that we want to create in our user and that they feel like they're in, on top of their workday. So these mindful design principles, you know, ensuring that we're um, designing it in an unintrusive way, that the product is always there when needed, but that it doesn't push itself to the foreground. Right. Okay, that's amazing. Uh, all right. Well, since you started talking about launch or launches that <laughs> that you did, right? And uh, I wanted to respond to that um, uh, first, but let's get back to it anyway. Um, so what did you mean by this first launch? Something that you showed after, after a week of working on Beam. So what did you start with? What was your prototype? What was the first version of the product? And uh, how did you go from there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can share also how we actually started with this, right, when we decided this is a problem space um, we want to tackle. So we um, had our 10 alpha users, let's call them like that, um, people that we knew or didn't know that were part of our target group, so product and tech team members, developers, designers, PMs, and um, those were volunteering and talking to us on a regular basis. So every week or every second week, we had a 30-minute call with them where in the beginning we really wanted to understand how do you work, which tools are you using, what is distracting you, what are challenges you're facing currently. And based on that, we created um, several hypotheses and concepts for solutions, actually, which we then also tested. And it started from even some scribbles on papers to click dummies and then to um, first versions of, of a little product. Um, and the very first one is you know, first hypothesis of what the solution could look like is also not at all what it is right now. So we really learned and iterated along the way. Um, but the first, let's call it um, prototype that was actually being used was already this menu bar idea um, that would always show the current or upcoming meeting up there. So it started with a calendar integration. And then from there, we really iterated it in... Uh, showing the daily overview up there, being able to join calls um, with shortcuts or simple clicks, being guided through the day. Um, and then we put much more emphasis on what we now call our focus mode. So when you're in between meetings, we recommend you to go into this mode where we um, snooze notifications during the day. Um, and it's a simple timer. Some people might know the Pomodoro technique. Um, that's the idea that you can concentrate for 25 minutes, then take a short five-minute break and do this rhythm for three or four times, 
and then followed by a longer break. Um, and we enable this technique also through our product to really yeah, remind the person to take breaks, be focused. Um, and, and yeah, then we worked on Slack integrations, which means that when you are in such a mode, um, it's reflected in your Slack status. So your colleagues know when you're available and when you're not. That was based on yeah another learning or insight that focus or good work is not just an individual topic. It's not just about you, but really about how you collaborate with your team members. Um, if they don't respect your focus time or they don't know that you're currently busy, it's like any message is already dragging you out. Any quick question like, um, do you have a minute, is actually already distracting you, right? So um, there we are trying to iterate even further. But to, to answer your question, we started with this simple menu bar um, calendar feature. I love how meticulous you are. I mean, it, it shows that that you're coming from product management. You know all the steps and uh, like the hypothesis and, and all that. Uh, and that's beautiful. Uh, not a lot of founders do that, uh, right? A lot of uh, a lot of them think that you have to come out with a working product, and especially when you talk to customers. So that is one thing that is also uh, kind of a problem for uh, first-time founders, especially. Uh, you said you had 10 alpha users, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you already talked with them from the very beginning. You gathered feedback. So how do you how do you find these people? How do you make sure that you go back to them to ask for that feedback, that you're not just nagging them every day, but you meticulously collect the feedback that will eventually be uh, something that you would use for a real product? Mm -hmm. So what we did in the beginning, and not just with the first 10 users, but actually the first 300 users, is that we onboarded them to the product in, an, in a quick onboarding call. So we really talked to the person individually. Um, this was, again, actually a great opportunity for user research, really understanding how they work. Um, and we actually asked them to, before they download the product, to join our Slack channel, our Slack community. Um, and from there, they were able to, to download the product. So we already ensured that these early users who we you know, selected from our waitlist based on whether they fit into our target group, we made sure that they are in our community so that we can share our product updates with them, but more importantly, get their real-time feedback involve them in um, our product decisions and just really make sure that we're close to where they are. So that's maybe a little hack that we introduced there, the Slack community and actually making sure everybody should join it before they can use the product. Now it's optional. Um, so now also our onboarding is not, not manual anymore. It's a self onboarding with the option to join that Slack community if they want to you know, shape the direction of the product. All right, that's very interesting. But uh, it's also one thing to to get people to join Slack, but it's a different um, a different task to get them to talk to you. So mm -hmm. how did you do that? How did you approach them? Uh, was there anything that you offered? Yeah, I'm always surprised actually how much um, people are willing to give if they feel like you're solving a problem for them. And I'm also surprised how people like to be involved in being part of creating such a product together. Um, and especially from our very, very early users, let's say the first 30 to 50, um, 
in the beginning, they gave us so much of their time. We didn't pay them anything. Um, they said, you know, being part of this community and seeing how the product shapes, seeing how my feedback is uh, shaping the direction and actually the feature set um, is something they enjoyed. Um, so yeah, that was that was great to see. And it obviously started with people we know, but very quickly, we also always wanted to ensure that's people that we didn't know that we haven't uh, spoken to. So we leveraged um, quite a few product and tech communities uh, that were or where we were involved in already. Um, we wanted to also share our learnings along the way publicly. So we, you know, we were writing blogs and on LinkedIn um, and Twitter of um, what we're learning along the way, how we're building it. So a lot of the things I just described, we um, shared publicly. Um, this like built in public approach, I think is what some got some people excited as well. Um, but in general, for me, the learning was, you know, we're we're giving them a product for free, right? That's also already something that um, is something we give back. They, when people are excited about what you're building, you don't even have to pay for it in many times. Right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about customer acquisition, right? You went from 10 alpha um, <laughs> testers to 700, right? That's uh, that's a pretty big growth for, for such a young product. So how did you do that apart from product hunt and uh, your, your own pool of people that you approached? Mm -hmm. So we have 700 people who uh, downloaded the product. There are 3,000 more um, on our wait list. Um, that's also an approach that we decided on on purpose to not open up the product right away, uh, especially because we were in this you know iterative um, approach. We really wanted to ensure that we have the right people um, using our product in the beginning. So once you sign up to our waitlist, there's a little survey that follows so that we can understand um, who you are what your background is, what you're trying to get out of the product. And then we um, make sure we invite uh, the ones that would actually benefit from it. Mm, um, but when it comes to distribution acquisition, um, we're following a approach where we really believe the product itself is the driver for acquiring, for retaining users and actually for growth. So this product-led growth approach, um, that means that we are always thinking about how can we build the product in a way that it exposes itself to other people. So just because you are using it, you know, you said some people ask you what's this little thing on top of your screen. Um, if you're using our Slack integration, then people will also, just because you're using it, see that because we have this little tag via use Beam in your Slack, in your Slack status. Um, and we're thinking about further ways of how you, you know, actually um, in not just invite people or refer it, but how just because you're using it, other people will use it as well. Uh, that could be um, going into shared focus sessions. You know, you um, go into a team focus session with the rest of your team. You align schedules across team members for focus and collaboration times. These are some of the ideas we are thinking about here. So that where right now it's a product for individuals. Um, there will be an additional value once even one more colleague of yours start, starts using it as well. Um, and then we are thinking about how can we make it even more valuable once more team members start using it or even 
the whole team is using it, there could be an additional value add for the team or even the team lead for aggregated insights into, um, for example, how valuable meetings are, how much time the team is spending on meetings versus focus time, whether they're focusing or how much time is spent on focusing on which OKR. Those are just some ideas we're playing with in the future. But what I want to underline is that the product itself will, will drive growth in the beginning, at least. Um, then you might ask, but how do you reach this first person in this company? Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, there it's a combination of, um, first of all, these, these product and tech communities that we're tapping into. Um, it's some of these, or it's actually us, you know, the community itself is the core aspect of it. Um, where we also generate much more content. We want to position ourselves as a, a thought leader in this mindful productivity aspect that people come to us when they want to learn about how to work in a better way, less distracted and more focused. Um, and then again, we're thinking about many niche channels that are probably not so typical. We don't want to and actually can't compete um, for high uh, customer acquisition costs in the traditional channels for, for these keywords. That's why we are thinking about um, ways, for example, I'm always surprised to see how many people there are on Twitch streaming their focus times, right? When they focus, when, they, when they're taking a break and there are tens of thousands of people watching that. So those are some of these uh, more niche channels that we are looking into. Um, and another idea I can mention is I told you this Slack integration, so we could be part of the Slack marketplace again as well. Same for all other integrations that we are doing. So really thinking about what are free or no to very minimum cost uh, channels that we can tap into. That's amazing. I think it's a great uh, strategy because at first, uh, when you are very small and maybe you're uh, a little tight on, on budget, especially on marketing budget. And I think every early stage startup is, uh, you have to be scrappy and just uh, make sure that you find absolutely every way out there to showcase the product, but at the same time, not spend the money. So show the value uh, to the people that are showcasing you or talking about you or offering you to, to their communities. But, but for free. Uh, so, the, so that's great uh, and uh, good luck with that. But I also remember that you've raised around from angel investors. So how was that and uh, what was the purpose of that? Yeah, that's correct. That took place more or less a year ago. Um, and for us, it was always very important that we find angel investors who share our product mindset and our tech mindset, who believe in this way of building products as well, you know, in this very user-centric, community-driven approach. And um, I have to say that's not at all the majority in Berlin or Germany where we are based at the moment. Um, and that's why we, are, we were so glad that we found um, some angel investors um, that are also convinced of our approach and who also believe in this big vision that we have, right? That we can build what we call the meta layer, um, which will become this one central hub um, for work for every user and that we can change um, the notion of what productivity means. Um, and yeah, so that, that's cool to have these people uh, supporting us. 
but once you raised money once then um you know then there will be a next round of raising and that's actually something we're currently uh, started to do and there we are looking more and more also into the us market because we feel that the way how we're building the product resonates much more uh, with the market over there and all of our product-led growth role models the you know the slacks and notions and figmas of this world um they all come from there so um they understand or believe in this approach much more than here okay why did you uh why did you choose uh going after investment in the first place if i may ask why not bootstrapping why not ask uh you know people love the product i love the product uh <laughs> why not ask um for some kind of payment subscription uh from the day one yeah um very good question thanks for asking that first of all so um we could ask you to pay for it and i also know that um there there will be significant amount um who are already willing to pay for it actually some people have asked us why we don't uh, do that already some users have asked us um though the way how we're building the product and you know it's 700 users at the moment if you would if they would pay a certain amount um that wouldn't be enough revenue for a bootstrapped uh, model so we would have to change the the approach or the way how we're building the product we decided to um go the fundraising the vc route because we believe that that way we can reach many more people we really want to build software that can touch so many people um we want to build also a company and a company cultures where a lot of people um you know can be how they want to be be their authentic selves at work it's always important for me to say the reason why I'm went the entrepreneurship way is on the one hand to build a product but also to build a company culture um maybe the culture I've always been looking for and um Yeah, I you know, I think there even though right now times are are not as they were a year or two ago and it's much more difficult to raise money, there is still money in the market and um that's something that Miri my co-founder and myself we talked about a lot and we said if we don't try to take this money, someone else will and um if we are getting it, we can at least make sure that we're building a good company and a good product out of it. Um that can touch so many more people and that's the reason why we are at least trying to go that way. Okay. All right. Well, all the best with it. I mean, nothing there is nothing wrong with with taking the VC's money. I'm just asking um uh, uh, because it is a product that I think people would buy. I'm just interested in why you're taking this this other approach so early. Um so yeah, you mentioned culture. So what mm -hmm. culture are you trying to build what is your dream culture for beams hmm. um i think a lot of the um things we talked about is part of our culture right it's really a product driven user driven culture so um we make sure that everyone who works with the, with us talks to users regularly um understands how they use the product and makes decisions based on that um and when it comes to yeah much more internal culture we are um we want to provide a lot of flexibility right no one um has to work in the same office like we do though there are like two days a week where we encourage people to come but there we also have colleagues that uh, work completely remotely and we want to accommodate that as well 
Um, and we really want to, you know, encourage everyone in our team to be their authentic selves, right? It's something we uh, truly believe in. And that means that, you know, some people work better in the morning, some people better in the evening or, or even at night. And um, we think everyone should be able to do so. And um, that's something that we always wanted to enable people that they can, you know, be as they are, that we are encouraging open uh, an open feedback culture. Um, that's something that even uh, Mihri, my co-founder, and me, myself, you know, we started also with um, uh, taking, we won a coaching budget at one of a, at a startup competition uh, just when we started. So this um, idea of, you know, being coached, creating an open communication culture was there from the beginning. And that's something, yeah, I can actually highly recommend also to any other co-founding team to, um, to have a coach that guides them and, and we try to be this coach also for our team members. Okay, that's wonderful. I think it's very aligned with with how we're building Beams itself. Uh, so, oh. yeah, great to hear <laughs> that. And uh, yeah, just maybe a couple more questions. So mm -hmm. I know it's very early, uh, but still, what is so far the biggest win and the biggest failure for Beams? Hmm. Or maybe maybe just a challenge. Let's not talk about failures. <laughs> yeah, the biggest win. I mean, every good user feedback is is a great win for us. And uh, the biggest milestone maybe was actually this product hunt launch um, in December, where it was so nice to see how you know our all of our community, our users, and people supporting us, uh, so, yeah, engaged, uh, supported us, left great comments, and it was so nice to see that we have this backing from uh, our users and everyone around us. Um, that was a, a great win, I would say, for everyone in the team. Um, and when it comes to challenges, mm, I'm struggling to find one moment, but it is definitely a challenging time uh, at the moment. You know, um, we early um, last year or more or less a year ago when we realized um, the economy is going down we also took decisions for us and said okay that means that we probably um, need to spend less money on everything than we planned to really cut resources um, or cut costs on um, the you know on anything that we were spending actually um, so that was a challenge we're really uh, cost efficient and cost effective um, and that's not always um, easy to do. Everyone uh, goes the extra mile, tries to save money wherever they can. Um, that's a challenge, I would say. Um, yeah, and I mean, other challenges are, you know, when people actually stop using our product, right? And then we try to understand why is that? Is this maybe someone who doesn't fit into our in the target group we are solving this for? Um, though it's not easy to get an answer from people that stop using it. Um, so that's a challenge uh, that I can mention as well. But there's really not this one moment um, that I can name. That's great. Well, uh, <laughs> I think an entrepreneurial road is uh, very difficult by default. So finding it challenging is, is, is just very normal. And the fact that you don't have this huge uh, failure moment it's good. It's, I think it's a good sign.
Uh, okay, so just one more question, bonus question. And uh, I'm glad that you mentioned coaches and the companies that inspire you. So I want to ask you about the person, the person that inspires you the most and that you maybe want to work with in the future. I'm inspired by so many female founders out there. Um, I always struggle a bit with this, you know, who's the most or the one thing uh, with these questions. Um, we are more and more, as I said, also looking into the, the US market. Um, and I mean, if there is, you know, a person from these three companies that I just mentioned, um, that will be, you know, that's that's uh, people we will act, we look up to, and that would be uh, wonderful to to learn from them. But in general, you know, it's people who are aiming high, who are very ambitious in what they're doing, but who stay true to themselves, who stay authentic, who stay, um, yeah, also warm-hearted. I really believe in uh, in connection and people who. Um, is also one of our values within the team being connected to each other. So yeah, I mean, I like people who who have this balance between big ambitions um, while also staying on the ground and uh, there with the team being nice people, compassionate people. I think that's a combination I look up to. Okay, that's wonderful. I think, uh, again, uh, everything you say just uh, grows, um, grows this perception that this is, this is something very you. Uh, so it, it's your, um, it's your vision of product, it's your vision of, of the team and the culture that you're building. And that's amazing. Well, thank you, Yana, so much. It's been great talking with you. Thank you for building such an amazing product and thank you for sharing your story. Thanks so much to you, Anna. I'm really happy about the last words uh, that you were saying that you yeah, recognize and feel that, you know, the the way how we are, what we believe in, how we build our company also resonates or is reflected in the product. I'm really happy that, that you see that. And thanks for your time for this wonderful interview. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Me too. Well, thank you and take care. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.